story about a minister who had gone uh, for the week's grocery shopping, and while he's in the grocery store, he finds himself behind a woman who has a daughter, maybe three or four years old, and the daughter's following the cart, but she's got a wild look in her eye, and it's pretty obvious that she's not going to be happy throughout this walk through the grocery store. You know how you follow somebody in the grocery store, aisle after aisle. So the daughter reaches out at one point and uh, grabs a some kind of a thing off the shelf to take it home. And mom says, we're not going to buy that. And the girl just starts screaming, to which the mom says, Abby, calm down. It will be okay. Well, they go around the corner. And this time, the little girl uh, is just really angry that she didn't get what she wanted. So she reached out and grabbed several things. Mom very calmly grabbed the things, put them back on the shelf. Abby, calm down. It will be okay. Well, now they get to the last row, and on the last row, the girl just swipes her arm across and knocks everything off the aisles and starts screaming at the top of her lungs. Mama very calmly picks it up, puts it back on the shelf, and says very calmly again, Abby, calm down. It will be okay. Well, when they got to the checkout line, the minister just thought he should issue a compliment. He was really uh, impressed by the way the mom handled the young girl. So, uh, instead of speaking to the mom, he leaned forward to the girl and he said, Abby, you should consider yourself blessed to have a mommy like this. To which the mom responded, her name is Jane. I'm Abby. Okay, calm down. It will be okay. Actually, I think that might be one of the most uh, pressing questions that mamas ask themselves. You know how I know that? Because I went on the worldwide internet this week. I was trying to think of how to do a sermon on Mother's Day when we're all sheltering at home. And literally, I went out and I started reading mommy blogs all over the internet, a lot of them. And here's something I noticed. So all of us as humans have insecurities. Uh, I've got a lot of insecurities myself, so all of us have insecurities. But the one theme that seemed to me to pop up on so many mommy blogs on the internet is the theme, am I enough? Am I good enough? Am I going to raise my children well? Am I as good as the other mamas? Do I really take care of them the way I should? I have my own emotional needs and my own problems. Can I really do this? When you think about it, it's actually a pretty extraordinary thing that mamas do. Uh, you know, we've been through two now, and it, it, to me, it's still the most, one of the most striking things that ever happened was to go to the hospital and there, a mama passes another human being through her body, and they clip off this cord, and then they hand you this human being and say, okay, see you later. And all of a sudden, like, even at the tender young ages, you find yourself responsible for an entire human being. And in some cases, two, or for some of you, six human beings, or even more. And I do think that it raises a question that probably uh, would be really well addressed today in this lesson, and that is, are you enough as a mama? Here's why I think it might be more urgent. So I was talking to Julie. I said, what, what do I say on Mother's Day? It's always like it's the most frightening day of the year for a minister. What do you, what do you say on Mother's Day? And she said, here's what she said to me. She said, well, just remind yourself that every mother is now asking the question after two months of shelter at home, two months of possibly screaming kids or kids climbing the walls, kids not able to get out of the house. Every mom's probably asking the question now, should we go on and go to the park? Can we get out? Is it safe? And so half the moms are saying this whole thing was just a hoax so the government could take control of us. And then the other half of the moms are saying don't get out to the end of the year. And probably for a lot of us, there's just a lot of anxiety. Am I enough? Am I enough? And that's the question I want to address today. Are you enough as a mama? Are you enough? And I'm going to start by saying this. 
You know, in a sense, none of us is enough. Nobody's enough. I'm not enough. Uh, The guys who are leading us in worship, they're not enough. The shepherds of this church, they're not enough. Your mama, your daddy, they weren't enough. Your husband, I'm talking to you mamas now, he's not enough. And the truth is, by yourself, you're not enough. It's true we're not enough because absent the divine grace of God, nobody's enough. But the good news is simply this. When we put our faith in God, His grace becomes enough for us. I want to say that again because it's really all I want to say today. If you put your faith in God, proportionate to the amount of faith you put in God, you will experience the grace that you need. And His grace, it'll be enough. I want to turn to a text in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9 is a, a scripture about giving. And Paul's speaking about our responsibility to give to our church. But he does what any good truth teller does. They use particulars that are linked to universals. The particular is you should give to your church. But the universal is the truth that applies across the board, not just to giving. And this is what he has to say, and it applies to you mothers. So, so let me encourage you mothers. I'm going to give you just an encouraging word that says you may not be enough, but the grace of God working through you, it is enough. Here's what he says, just one verse, verse 8. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So Paul is saying that we ought to be generous to our church because God's going to give us everything we need. But the principle that God gives us everything we need applies to everything, including motherhood. What Paul is saying there is that God will give you what you need. God's grace will be enough. And I want to just say this to us that in a time when there's a lot more anxiety, increased anxiety, when, when we've had to shelter down, I, I know there's been more stress and strain in a lot of our families. I know that the social distancing has been really hard on some of us. Um, so, so I've been getting out just a little bit lately and going to some of the stores and so forth. And as I run into you at the stores, I hear a lot of you just say, you know, it's been really hard to be isolated and alone. And if you have any propensity towards mental health issues or if you have a personality disorder or if you just wrestle with loneliness, it's been really hard times. I want you to feel reassured, Mama. The grace of God will give you everything you need. I grew up in a time where in in many of our churches, we just didn't talk a lot about grace. Thank God that's over. But in the place of no discussion about grace, I think some of us have learned an inadequate view of grace. That is, we think of grace as simply an act of forgiveness. And I want you to know that's a great gift God gives us, that God does forgive us. That is an act of grace. But in the Bible, grace is more than just a transaction that says you're forgiven. In the Bible, grace is a divine power. It's a divine provision. It is God divinely giving us the strength that we need. Think of a few verses. So 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, Peter is talking about the need for us to acknowledge truth. And then he says this phrase, he says, I want you to grow in grace. So he's not just saying, I want you to be forgiven and then baptized. That's true too. What he's saying is, I want your grace to flourish. I want the divine power, the blessings of God within you. I want it to grow. I want it to become bigger and bigger. 
When Paul is writing in 2 Corinthians, just a few chapters later in chapter 12, Paul has some kind of illness, some kind of disease, and he prays to God, take this away from me. And God's answer to him is, no, my grace will be enough for you. I even think about Mary. So Mary, the mother of Jesus, you remember, Hail Mary, mother full of grace, uh, God be with you. So this out of Luke chapter 1, where Mary sings this magnificent, this wonderful song. But what happens is the angel comes and he says, God will show you grace. And angel, Mary's response isn't to say, oh good, my sins are forgiven. Her response is to say, oh now that I'm lowly, I will be lifted up. Now generations will speak of me. She understands that God's grace is not just an act of forgiveness, it's God's provision for us. What I'm trying to say to you, mother, is this. God's going to supply what you need. Because grace is more than just, I forgive you. Grace is God giving us all the blessings that we need. Maybe not all the blessings that our sometimes immature hearts want, but all the blessings that we need. So I told you I was out on the internet. I found one site by Kimberly Stokes. Her website's called The Peaceful Mom. And she listed some things. I'm going to use her list. I'm going to adapt it just a little bit. God's grace is enough, it will be okay. God's grace is enough even when you don't feed, no, excuse me, even when you do feed your children macaroni and cheese from a box. God's grace is enough even if you have piles of laundry in several rooms of your house. God's grace is enough even if you never create food origami for your children's lunch boxes. God's grace is enough even if you use a cell phone while your kids are on the playground. God's grace is enough even if you've served cereal twice for supper this week. God's grace is enough even if dirty dishes are piled up in the sink and you don't know when they were used. Even if you haven't lost all your baby weight, even if you have a gray hair, and even if these things happen and your child is just in kindergarten. God's grace is enough even if you occasionally allow your children to watch television for three hours straight. And God's grace is enough even if your toilet hasn't been cleaned in a month. The truth is God's grace is enough in the big areas, the areas that matter. God's grace is enough because beneath all the conflict and all the anxiety and all the stress, God's grace will give you peace. I'm not saying God will take away conflict. He doesn't. Not always. But what I am saying is, deeply held beneath the conflict, God will give you the peace that you need so that when you lay your head on your pillow at night, you can sleep. God's grace will give you joy. I mean, you can find joy even in the middle of conflict. You can find joy in the middle of chaos. You can find joy even sometimes. And, and I know this because I've been there. When you're sitting in the hospital and you're wondering what's going to happen with your child, God has a way of giving us the grace that we need. Jesus speaks about physical grace when he reminds us that we shouldn't worry about food or clothing or, uh, or, or what we will drink and what you eat, what you drink, what you wear. He says this, he says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away into barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? And then he says, look at the flowers of the field. They don't labor or spin. In other words, they don't manufacture clothing. They don't labor or spin. And yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his beauty was dressed as one of these. This is how God cares for us. I want you to see that you may not be enough, but God's grace is enough. I really want to say this because I want to give you some permission to cut yourself some slack. You know, I'll never be a mother. 
Never was one and never will be one. But there are some analogies for fatherhood. Let me tell you what I remember. When my kids were home growing up, I remember every single day of my life some gnawing feeling that if I blow my job as a father, my kids will go hungry. Uh, they'll lose their insurance. Uh, you know, I have to sell the house and who knows what will happen. I mean, every day of my life as a father, that has chewed on me. That feeling that if I fail, the whole world for them collapses. And I let that, I have to be honest with you, I let that rob me of a lot of joy because I didn't really trust God at times. What I want to say to you, especially those of you who are younger mothers, I know it's stressful. I can't imagine what it's been like. Some of you got three or four kids. I can't imagine what it's been like for you. But just put faith in God. He's going to give you all the grace you need. Even when you don't feel like you're doing a great job, the provisions of God will care for the areas where we're not strong. God's grace, it is enough. Now, let me give you another truth. It's simply this. God's grace is experienced in proportion to your faith. I'm going to say that again. God's grace is experienced in proportion to your faith. Now, I'm not saying that if you believe harder, you get more grace. I'm really not arguing that. God's grace is all around us. Even non-believers receive immense grace from God. So I'm not arguing that God gives His grace proportionate to our faith. What I am arguing is we experience the grace He's already given. He's given all of us. We experience it more in proportion to our faith. So it's not that God increases it the more we believe. It's that we experience it more. We're the ones who get to enjoy it more as our faith progresses. And that's what Peter means when he says, grow in grace. What he wants us to know is that God's grace blankets the whole world. It's already here. But we get to pick how much of that grace we experience, and we experience it through faith. So this is what Paul is talking about in Ephesians chapter 2, when Paul makes the statement that we are saved by grace, but through faith. It's our faith that enables us to enjoy the grace that God gives us. The more I trust in God, the more I discover that God is going to provide, that it is okay, that He is enough for me. He's enough for you even if your faith is weak, He's enough. It's just you won't know it because your faith is weak. So what I'm trying to encourage you to do is just say to yourself, I'm going to trust in God. Because the more I trust in Him, the less I have to worry about my own inadequacies, my own, my own insufficiencies, my own weaknesses, my own failures, my own worries. I'm trying to encourage you just... Trust that God will be enough because He will. And you'll experience His grace in proportion to the amount of faith that you exercise. So I want to give you just a couple of ideas here. So again, I just sort of racked my brain. What does this look like? And, and let me just tell you a few things that came to mind this week. One thing I want to say, I think probably the biggest thing, is let your family see Jesus in you. Your kids... They'll forget 90% of what you say growing up, but they'll never forget what they saw in you, that you are the role model for your children. Let me just pause and say this. You're really tempted, mamas. You're really tempted to become your children's best friends. I'm advising you don't do that. Your child needs a role model. Your child needs a disciplinarian. Your child needs a teacher. Your child needs a judge. Your child needs someone who makes rules and then generously but 
uh, judiciously enforces rules. If you want to be your child's best friend, first be your child's parent. And when they grow up, they'll be your best friend. But if you try to be your child's best friend when they're younger, you try to give them everything they want and you try to treat them as an equal, there's a really good chance you're not going to be their best friend when they grow up because they've lost the thing that children need. They need the structure. They need a role model. They need someone who will be a parent to them and not just a friend. they got plenty of friends. They need a parent as well. So let me start by saying one of the greatest things you can do for your children is to follow Jesus. Let them see you follow Jesus. I want to get personal for just a second. So when I was a kid, I've said this before, but there are five of us kids in my family. When I was a kid, sometime, I can remember when it happened, but I don't know, I don't know all the story. My daddy can probably tell me. I hadn't asked him. But we went to church. Back then, you went to church three times a week if you were super righteous, and we didn't. We only went on Sunday mornings until something happened, probably a sermon convicted my dad, or I don't know what happened. But I can recall my dad coming home one time and saying, all right, we're going to we're going to go to church tonight on a Sunday night. And I remember saying, wow, you know, we just went already once. That was enough for me. And uh, I was probably five, six, seven years old. I don't know how old I was. And so we would ask every Sunday afternoon, do we, are we going to church tonight? And finally, one Sunday, my dad re- reaches down, puts my chin in his hand, gets his face this far from me. And he says, son, we're going to church tonight and every Sunday night for the rest of your life. And you know, I didn't like that, but I discovered that there was something in that that has forever helped me. And that is, I saw a man who was convicted to follow Jesus, and that became my path as well. Now, don't tell my dad that we don't have Sunday night church right now, because it kind of blew everything for him. But the truth is, my dad's convictions made all the difference in the world for me. I remember this happened to me one time. So let me, now listen to the whole story before you tune me out because you might tune me out halfway through. When I was in the middle school, junior high, we called it, Thurman Francis Junior High. I came home and I wanted to play football. We played football every day and I wanted to play football for the school. And I asked my mom, can we play football? I want to play football. I want to try it for the team. And she waited a day or two. She talked to my dad and my mom came back to me. Let me tell you what she said to me. Now, don't tune me out just yet. She said, no, I don't want you to play football for Thurman Francis, for the Rams. Because, she said, they practice on Wednesday nights and you'll miss church. I was crushed. I mean, I was really angry with her for that. Now, let me just say this. Um, in, in more creative days, like today, what I think she might could have said, but they didn't have the imagination, was you'll miss church on Wednesday nights so long as we have a makeup service sometime, which I think is a good idea. Let them do it, but just have a makeup service so that you make the right statement. What I can tell you is that as the months went by and eventually the years went by, here's something I never questioned. I never questioned my family's loyalty to Jesus because up front they made it clear this household follows Jesus. And that's what I'm encouraging you to do. Let them see Jesus in you. The best thing you can do for your children so let them see that you follow Jesus. We increase our faith uh, through disciplining ourselves, even in the small areas. Mothers, let your children hear you pray. You know, I grew up in a generation where women generally, at least here in the South, didn't pray in front of men. And I was robbed of that. I can remember the first time I ever heard a woman pray, uh, besides my wife, was uh, Renee Sproles. I heard her pray in a small group, and I was shocked. I'd never heard a woman pray before. This is like 25 years ago. 
And I just thought to myself, oh, what we have missed. Let your children hear you pray. Let your children hear you talk about God. Ask your children to forgive you when you sin against them. Let them see Jesus living in you. The more that you display your faith, the more God's grace becomes sufficient for you. And that's really all I want to say. I just want to say God's grace will be enough, but you experience His grace in proportion to your faith. Not that He withholds it. We just don't taste it if we don't eat it. And the way to eat the grace of God is to show faith in God. I want to sing you a song. So I was trying to think of what would be a good song. So again, I think we've got some good news coming. Very soon we're going to be getting back together as a church unless something goes way south that we can't predict right now. But I still want to sing to you a couple of songs. And I thought, I want to sing you a song written by a woman. And I spent quite a bit of time looking for hymns written by women, and I kept coming back to what I think is my favorite hymn of all times. Uh, in fact, it's such a favorite, I could, I could easily choke up trying to sing it to you. It's a song about Jacob's ladder until Bethel, in the city of Bethel. I've had the opportunity now to go to the city of Bethel several times. The, the hill where Jacob saw the vision is still there. The rocks upon which he put his head, they're all still there. It's a phenomenal place to go, and it's just... It's just such a moving place to think that it was here that God came down on a ladder and connected himself to humans. Well, in the year 1840, a Unitarian woman wrote a song about that that has become perhaps one of the best known, certainly one of the best known English hymns of all time. She was uh, English, lived in London. She had a a really difficult life. Her mother died when she was five. Her sister was six. She cared for her sister until her sister died. And then she died at the age of 44 herself. Sarah Adams is her name. Right towards the end of her life, biographers say that she left Unitarianism behind. That's Unitarianism is actually the belief that Jesus is not the son of God, but that there still is a God. Her biographers say she left that behind and became a believer in Jesus. And about that time, she penned a song uh, that has been performed at the funerals of dignitaries, a song that has been sung all over the English-speaking world, a song that was even played on the Titanic as it sank. So yes, you probably know, it's the song Nearer My God to Thee, written by a woman who was finding Jesus as though for the first time. I'm going to sing the third verse, but I want to read to you the first two verses. Nearer my God to thee, nearer to thee, even though it be a cross that raiseth me, still all my song shall be nearer my God to thee. And then now drawing on the story of Jacob, who's fleeing for his life on his way to his uncle's house, many, many miles away, all alone on the hill of Bethel, though like a wanderer, the sun gone down, darkness be over me and my rest a stone, yet in my dreams I'd be nearer my God to thee, nearer my God to thee, nearer to thee. Can I sing to you the third verse? Again, from this woman who found Jesus right towards the end of her life. There let the way appear Steps unto heaven All that thou sendest me In mercy give angels to beckon me nearer my God 
to Thee. Nearer, my God, to Thee. Nearer to Thee. My grace is sufficient for you. That's what God says to the Apostle Paul, and it's true. So, mothers, I want to give you a word of encouragement. It's probably been a long couple of months for you. But one day you're going to look back on it, and you're probably going to remember these as some of the sweetest times. I really do think you will. When Rachel was young, here's a daddy-daughter story. Rachel, we'll see if we can get through this. When Rachel was young, every night she would say, she would crawl out from her bed, Daddy, will you come lie down with me? And I'd go in, I'd tell her a story, I'd talk with her. Sometimes I'd play my guitar and try to help her fall asleep. I did that every night, every night I was home for years. And I have to be honest with you, I didn't even really like doing it most of the time. I was like, I'm tired. I just want to sit in a chair. I don't want to entertain anybody else. And Julie would say to me over and over again, one day you're going to miss this. One day you're going to miss this. And I can't tell you exactly when it happened, but one night when she was a teenager, probably 13 or 14, I don't know, she didn't call me. I didn't think anything about it. The next night she didn't call me. And one day I just realized I'll never do that again. When Rachel got married in 2017 in October, that night after her wedding, I went in and I stared at her room and I've never cried so hard in all my life because I looked back and I realized, you know, God was with me the whole time, even the times I didn't know it. I could have pulled more joy from that. I could have taken more peace. I could have accepted His grace and His provision. So whether you're mama or daddy or none of the above, whatever you are, God's grace is enough for you. So put your faith in him and enjoy what he has to give for you. Happy, happy Mother's Day. Let's sing a beautiful song.